Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. Please take up your Bibles again and turn to Exodus chapter 4 in the midst of our series of working through the book of Exodus, still in the early parts of what's going on. And Moses is in Midian and has met with God in the burning bush and we're Joining the conversation in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. That's page 47. Let's listen to God's words to us. Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 to 17. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, a staff, and he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile, and pour it on the dry ground, and the water that you shall take from the Nile become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go. I'll be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, oh my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses and he said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I'll be with your mouth and with his mouth and we'll teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff, with which you shall do the signs. These are God's words to us. Amen. Please take up your Bibles again, and turn back to Exodus chapter 4. Now, I was coming back from... Uh, Birmingham last week, and I couldn't believe, 
I couldn't believe it that the Christmas music was playing in the airport already. You know, it's November. I know some of you guys might love it. I'm a kind of first of December kind of guy. That's when it can kind of kick off. But the the thing about this early Christmas thing is we, we get bombarded by the advertising agencies, don't we? M&S and John Lewis have already got their adverts out. And as you walk down Union Street and where there are actually shops, it, it, it's by me. But, you know, by me, it's pictures, it's messages, it's signs, it's words, it's everywhere. And everyone's kind of clamoring uh, for our attention. They want me to buy a, a shirt from them, a, a computer from them, a new car from them. It's, it's like kind of a battle of the voices, isn't it? Which, which one will I listen to? And it can feel a bit like that in the, the market of ideas as well, can't it? We live in a, a multicultural city and nation. There are, there are different religions. Uh, there's our secular ideology at its most vocal. And then there's kind of little old Christianity, Jesus and his Bible. Most people kind of think truth is whatever you want it to be. You know, they, they love lots of ideas because it just means you can kind of pick and choose. You know, a bit of Buddhism here, a bit of yoga uh, there, a carol service soon, and I don't actually believe in God. Um, It's kind of like there's no solid rock beneath us, meaning it's fluid. It's kind of shifting like sand as the waves roll in. And perhaps that's where uh, you're at at the moment, or you know someone who's like that. And that can be fun for a bit, I'm sure, but actually... We know deep down life needs something more stable than that. We actually need a rock to build our lives upon, something that will hold us, hold us in the good, but also when life doesn't seem to make sense in the face of difficulty, the face of death, what will hold us then? Because we know, we know life is just more than random atoms whizzing around. If there's a God out there, we want him to speak, don't we? To communicate, to tell us, tell us who he is and, and who we are and what we're doing on this earth. We want to know, is, is there a voice that we really should be listening to? And that was a question Israel were about to be asking. Here in Exodus chapter 4, we, we, as I said, we're still at the burning bush and God's speaking to Moses about his rescue plan. And so far Moses has had two massive questions Back in chapter 3, 3 verse 11, Moses said to God, uh, who am I? And God's answer was, well, I will be with you. Then Moses asks, well, who are you? And God gave his name that David spoke on last week. But now in chapter 4, Moses has got two more problems with what God's up to. And this time he doesn't ask questions. He, He more just states his case. And it's all to do with God speaking. In verse 1 he says, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. It's like, why would they listen to me? How will they know my voice is the right voice? You know, like in our world, there's loads of gods in Egypt clamoring for their attention. Why would Israel listen to this one, to Moses? But then verse 10, he goes further. Well, they might listen to me, but, but I can't speak. God, can you actually speak through me? It's will they listen and can you speak? It's the whole communication package here. Here is God's prophet Moses about to go to God's people and declare God's message of his name and his planned salvation. Well, will Israel trust him and hear him? And we're like Israel that Moses is about to go back to. We're living in this world of different voices wondering who to trust. 
Now, many of us here tonight are Christians, and we know the voice we've listened to is, is Jesus himself. That's the rock we found. And so Moses, God's prophet here, is going to give us a window into our belief in Jesus. Jesus, God's true and final prophet. As we listen in on God speaking to Moses here, we're wonderfully given some deep foundational reasons as to why we should keep trusting, keep trusting that voice in Christ. Rather than just a voice among many, we'll know Jesus Christ is God speaking to us loud and clear. So firstly, in a, in a world of different voices like Israel, we've got to ask the question, well, which voice should we listen to? Which voice should we listen to? And the answer we're going to see first is God's approved prophet. That's the answer, God's approved prophet. Let's get into this story a little bit. Moses, he's worried. He's in this incredible experience of God's presence. He's heard the voice from the bush, um, but he, he thinks the people just won't listen. You can imagine the skepticism that could happen as Moses turned up uh, when he goes back to Israel. You know, it's the same now uh, as it, it was then. You're from God, well, prove it. This, at the time of Jesus, the Pharisees asked him exactly the same for a sign that he was from God. And perhaps you've had that yourself. You know, you've, someone said to you, you, you say Jesus is God, well, prove it. And it's kind of a fair question, isn't it? Any major new thing needs proof, you know, like a great discovery in the scientific world. There needs to be facts and figures and numbers and data. And when there's a big moment in the Bible, God does step in and he does provide proof. And rather than it being a kind of a stamp of approval on a new scientific discovery, instead it's a stamp of approval on a person. God often acts and shows, this guy is mine, he's my man. And God does it here. He gives Moses three signs. Three signs to show to Israel that, that he really has God's stamp of approval, that he does speak for God, that he really is the voice they should listen to, God's approved prophet. And these, these signs weren't ordinary little magic tricks to kind of grab their attention. Alec Mottier writes, the Lord's signs are always meaningful illustrations and not just clever tricks and we see the first here in verses two and uh, three. Moses, he, he throws this stick on the ground and it becomes a snake. And that might seem a bit random, but that's actually a very significant symbol. Pharaohs were crowned with a cobra-shaped crown. A snake is an uh, Egyptian kingly symbol. You know, it's a bit like making a, a lion if the, the British Empire was attacking because it's on our coat of arms. But the snake... Did you notice it's no match for God? God can create a snake and then can get rid of it in a moment as Moses just grabs the snake again. God's enemies will not conquer him. And then he doesn't just use a stick, he uses Moses himself. You see Moses puts his hand in his coat and it comes out covered in some kind of skin disease, perhaps leprosy, it's contagious, it's, it's life-threatening. It's a disease to exclude just imagine back to, to COVID in the first weeks of its discovery. You know, it's fearful. But once again, God, God not only gives it, he also takes it away. He has power uh, to take and power to restore. And then lastly, verse nine, the third sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground. And the water that you should, shall take from the Nile become blood 
on the dry ground. His power over nature. But more than that, it's over the Nile. Uh, the Nile was the source of life for Egypt and those living there. Here was the, the first plague, actually, that we're going to see in a few chapters. It's a sign of judgment. Life itself was at stake. God could turn water into blood. Three signs, three moments of power that were unmistakably from God. You know, Moses, he had no control over that stick, did he? Nor the disease in his cells, nor the, the nature of those water molecules. This was God's stamp of approval on his prophet. Israel, if, if you want to know if you should listen to Moses, then see my power and see my promise. Egypt will not stand in my way. It's not a, I'm not a small God. I'm not a local God. I am who I am. Which voice should we listen to? Well, it's God's approved prophet. And so no wonder if, if Moses was given these three signs, we see Jesus performing loads of them. You know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, they record lots of signs, healing many, many people, walking on water, calming the storm, raising the dead, feeding 5,000, feeding 4,000. And in John's gospel, John particularly intentionally records seven, he calls them signs, seven key miracles that Jesus did. And once again, they're not random magic tricks, were they? They particularly pointed to Jesus' mission, that he'd come to save, come to rescue, come to feed and bring life, come to restore peace and blessing, all showing God was with him, approved then right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Jesus actually points us to the great sign that he really wants us to look at. Just have a listen to John chapter two. So Jesus, he's gone into the temple, if you know the story, and he's cleared it of the money changers. And then listen to what happens next. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? It's a bit like Israel would be with Moses. But now listen to the answer. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. Will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he raised, was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. God's ultimate sign that Jesus Christ was his approved voice, his prophet, the one whose words we should listen to and believe, it was his death and resurrection. It's the fact that there was an empty tomb. After Jesus died, there was nobody left. The women couldn't find it, nor could the disciples, and instead many saw him alive. It's a glorious sign of God's, uh, like the, the one Moses had, yet on a completely different level, isn't it? Not just over a snake, a symbol of God's enemies, but this is over death itself, robbing the devil of his power. It's not just disease affecting his prophet. This is the death of his prophet and then brought to life again. It's incredible, isn't it? Which voice should we listen to? It's got to be Jesus Christ. If you're not a Christian here this evening, you are so welcome with us this evening. And I just want uh, you to have a think. If you're wondering which voice you should be listening to, what you should base your life upon, 
Well, can I encourage you to look at what happened? Look at what happened with Jesus 2,000 years ago. Have a look at that empty tomb. Jesus, he's not just some nice idea. He's a real person who did real things and gave the biggest sign of God's approval ever. He died and then rose again. And for the rest of us, God's people here this evening, be assured we're back in the right horse. Sometimes we waver, don't we, as we, as we hear our, I don't know, our friend down the street say that Christianity is out of date, outdated. Or as a colleague invites us to an Eid celebration, we can wonder, you know, what if they're right? What if I'm listening to the wrong voice? We'll just take a moment to remember the empty tomb and Jesus risen. See him visiting his disciples in that empty tomb alive. Teaching them in Galilee, eating on the beach with them, risen. That's why I listen to Jesus. That's why I know I've got a solid rock to build my life upon. That's why I trust him. Trust him with everything, with my sin and shame, with my life and joy, and even with death itself. Which voice should I listen to? Well, the answer is God's approved prophet. But Moses, he's still in a bit of a mess. He's still not sure. And so the, ne- the next issue is, well, will it work? It's kind of the next question. Will it work? Sure, the Israelites might listen to me, but will it work? And well, the answer, it's God's approved prophet. Of course it will. It's God's approved prophet. Verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I have, I'm not eloquent, either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. Moses now complains he can't speak. He's like, you God, you know, you need words, not just signs, and I'm not the man. I'm sure we've all had kind of a similar crisis of confidence, perhaps. I don't know, your uni supervisor gets you to head up a research team or your, your school teacher wants you to do a presentation to the school governors and you're like, no way, I'm not the right person, I can't do that. Now we're not sure what it was about Moses' speech here. Had his Egyptian become slow having been in Midian so long? Did he have a, a speech impediment? We don't know. But he just can't see a way through. God, you need to speak to these people Well, I can't do that. And it's this extraordinary moment because Moses sees his lack of of his own ability and he he may well have been right. Humanly speaking, it was going to be tough. But then he turns that lack of ability onto God, the great I am. If I can't speak God, then nor can you. It's kind of saying, you're not powerful enough to speak through someone like me. God, you need better help. You need a better ambassador. You need a better press secretary. Well, God's answer is emphatic, isn't it? Verse 11, then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord?" He's kind of showing how laughable Moses' complaint is. Moses, you think I can't speak through you? I made your mouth. I made their ears. Of course I can. You know, it's like going to get some top sportsman at the top of their game. I don't know, let's say in basketball or something like Michael Jordan when he was at his peak or LeBron James and saying, can you, can you really score that shot from here, from there? 
What about that three-pointer when the clock's ticking? And they're like, of of course I can. It's what I was made to do. I can do it with my eyes shut. And it doesn't matter about the pressures. God can speak. He just needed a humble, willing man. No wonder verse 12. Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. God can speak. God can communicate with his people. He can be with his chosen man's mouth. When God makes someone a prophet, he's a real prophet. Just go, Moses. I'll worry about the words. But Moses just can't do it. Oh, oh my Lord, please send somebody else. And God, not surprisingly, is angered by this complete lack of trust but even in the face of it, God will still speak through his approved prophet. Do you notice? So in his, his mercy, he provides Aaron. Aaron becomes Moses' mouth. God will speak, and if Moses won't open his mouth, God will provide another, and Aaron. Will it work? Can God really speak? Well, God is showing again and again, of course it will. Of course I can. My prophet can't help but share what I have to say. Just think of the other prophets through the Bible. Isaiah knew he he couldn't speak because of his sin, but what did God do? He dealt with it. His sin was atoned for by the coal from that fire. Jonah, Jonah, God was always going to get his message out through Jonah, wasn't he? He even got a whale to go and get him and spit him out. Will it work? Of course. It's God's approved prophet. You know, when it comes to God speaking to us, the problem is never at his end. You know, often when we're on the phone and the, the signal cuts out or it gets a bit fuzzy, we, we check our own signal. Well, it, well it, it might be with you. I've got a couple of bars, you know. And, and Moses was wanting to say, well, the, the problem's with me, but actually it's kind of with you. you. You can't get your message out. But how wrong he was. The problem is not at God's end. He's the creator God. He can communicate with his people. When he chooses to speak through his prophet, he will speak. The thing is, we live in a world that has drunk deeply on the idea that God can't speak to us. It's one of the pillars of the enlightenment, that God is so distant that even if he's there, we can't know him. All we can know is what's around us. And so slowly but surely, God's just been erased from the picture He can't speak, so we can't know truth, so we just kind of make it up ourselves. But no, God's prophet is a speaking prophet. And all the more so when we come to the one Moses points to, the true prophet Jesus Christ, because he again is on another level. Just think of how John, the apostle John describes him. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ, he doesn't just have words from God. He is God's word. He's he's God's emphatic, complete speech to us. The writer to the Hebrews puts it like this. He has spoken to us by his son. He's spoken to us. It's full. It's complete. Will it work? Of course it will. It's God's approved prophet, Jesus Christ himself, his son, the one who is God, who's been with the Father from the beginning. In Jesus, we cannot get a better view of God. We cannot get a clearer word. 
Sometimes people think they need additions, perhaps like the, the Book of Mormon or the, the Quran or, or, or people wanting extra prophetic revelation. But no, there is no more because it's all here in Jesus Christ. And, and so in God's providence, we have all we need here in the Bible, in Scripture. This book is, is like seeing Jesus in words, if that makes sense. This book is God's speech in him. Now, on the surface, it seems like some bits aren't about Jesus, doesn't it? This bit here in in Exodus is about Moses. But it's all actually about him. The first half looks forward to him. The second points back to him. He fulfills the Old Testament. He gave the apostles the words to write about him for the new. So we preach the Bible. We read the Bible. We listen to the Bible because this is how we see Jesus and hear from him. Christ is our solid rock, God's prophet. So may we stick close to his word and we can trust it. Some, sometimes people approach the Bible as if God's it isn't very good at using people to convey his message. You might have heard someone say, the Bible is flawed because people are flawed, they say. But no, that's not how God works. He said, who has made man's mouth? He could have said, who has made man's hand that writes? He's saying scripture, it's infallible and errant because it's through God's approved prophet. Will it work? Of course it will. God has spoken through his son, Jesus Christ. There is no fuller revelation of God. And also, we know we've experienced it. We've known God speaking to us through Jesus, haven't we? As we've heard the Bible and it preached, as, as Christians we know we have this wonderful privilege of knowing and experiencing God's voice. We've heard his encouragement deep to our soul. We've heard his words of grace over our sin in Christ. At times we've heard his rebuke and correction. We've heard his hope and his love. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? We know it works. It's God, God's approved prophet. It's Jesus, the eternal word, the son of God. God speaks to us in him. But just to finish, there's one more thing. Because we just need to spend a moment with Moses in his turmoil. Because we, as we look around us at our friends and our neighbors, we see those who don't yet know Christ. And know maybe we can speak to them. So there's one more question. What about me? What about me? Well, the answer is this. We point to God's approved prophet. What about me? We point to God's approved prophet. We can't escape in Exodus 3 and 4 the fact that Moses can't quite see how he's the right guy for the job. He's reluctant. He's unwilling. God is bringing him into his plan. He said to Moses, I will send you. And through this uh, conversation, Moses, uh, God's been persuading Moses it'll all be okay. You know, like when we've gone, got a tough thing ahead, like a I don't know, perhaps you're a doctor with a complicated surgery and you, you sit with your supervisor, talk through all the problems and their answers, well, they're, they're there to give, give you confidence that it can be done. And God is so gracious, isn't he? He shows Moses again and again where the power lies. 
I mean, for starters, he's been speaking uh, to him out of a burning bush. You know, God's in control. In chapter three, he's told him the only thing that matters is that he is with him. He's provided these miraculous signs for Moses. Now, signs, yes, for the people, but first they're signs to Moses. They're to encourage him, show him God is with him and the people will believe. And then finally, in his grace, he even provides a mouthpiece, Aaron. Verse 15, you shall speak to Aaron. Put the words in his mouth and I'll be with your mouth and with his mouth and we'll teach you both what to do. And Aaron is a little glimpse of the fact that when it comes to us, God actually gives us someone else. God has given us a true prophet because often we can feel a lot like Moses when it comes to telling people about Jesus. Perhaps Israel felt pretty nervous too. Moses and the elders going to Pharaoh, the people going to their neighbors. Will actually anyone take us seriously? And we're, we're the same, aren't we? We wonder, will anyone listen? Will anyone take it seriously? How will they know this is the right voice? Can God even speak through me if they did listen? These questions of Moses's are our questions. But the answer isn't quite what we'd expect Because in in reading this passage, I was struck how quickly I put myself in Moses' shoes. And if that's where I put myself, the the quick answer could become, yes, of course God can speak through you because he spoke through Moses. But that's not quite right because that raises a whole load of issues. First, I've never had an appearance of God like Moses did from a burning bush. Second, I don't have a load of signs that I can use to back up my message. Third, God hasn't given me a particular role as a prophet. I'm not about to lead my people out of slavery. How could I ever speak for God? It's, it's such a weight if we think we're straight away in Moses' shoes. It's such a pressure. But actually, as we read this, we need to see, as we've seen all along, I'm not Moses, you're not Moses. God is not expecting us to be like him, to do signs, to do miracles, to represent all of God's people before the king, to be his chosen mouthpiece. We're not prophets, we're not chosen apostles of Christ. In a sense, we're not the ones God is speaking through. He's provided another for us. He has provided the true prophet The great final speech of God, Jesus Christ. You know, perhaps you've wondered, speaking to a friend, will she listen to me? Will she hear the right voice? Well, all we can do, and all we should do, is point to God's approved prophet. It's Christ who's been approved by signs. He rose from the dead. So we point to him. But then we wonder, well, can God really speak? Will it work? Well, we know God has spoken through Jesus. So again, we point to him. We let people hear God in Christ. Now, we don't know the results, do we? Israel did listen to Moses this time, but Pharaoh didn't. But that's in God's hands, not in ours. This means we're just pointers. That the pressure isn't on us. God does use us and our words amazingly, but that's because we're pointing to the approved prophet. Now, someone whose job it is to speak as Christ's under-shepherd, this is a great encouragement to me. 
back in college, uh, the college I trained at, on the lectern in the, the college chapel. It had a very small sign on it that only the preacher could see. It was a quote from John's Gospel, and it said this, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. That's my role, to glorify Jesus, point you to him. Please pray for me, for David, for Sinclair, that we would continue to do that. But for all of us, as we we might want to share the gospel with a friend or a neighbor, may we show them Jesus. We don't need to worry about our eloquence. We don't need to worry about kind of theological precision and perfection that we can answer every question. We don't need to worry that we've never healed someone. We've never done a miracle. We just point to Jesus. Now, of course, we want to be as clear as possible. Of course, we want to be helpful in answering questions. But it's always relying on him. His spirit is with us. So we can, he can use even you and me as we speak about Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Why? Because Jesus is God's approved prophet. The one who even rose from the dead. The one who is from the Father in heaven. Who as we know him, we know God. All through the power of the Spirit. What kindness to us. That he has spoken, even to us. That we might know him, the Lord God. Amen.